final talk tonight on the Lord's Prayer, on the last two lines of it. I've really, really enjoyed this series. And we're looking at those lines. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I can see a few confused faces out there. So some of you might be thinking, hold on a second, Richard. What about the rest of the Lord's Prayer, those lines? For yours is the kingdom, the glory, and the power. Well, we could do uh, another sermon on those. But uh, one thing we'd have to do is elongate the summer holidays by another week. And I said that at the 9.30 service this morning. I've got loads of parents going, no. So uh, we could do that. But actually... Also, I hope a lot of you had spotted that in our Bible reading that we've had over the last six or so uh, Sundays, those words have not been read out. And the reason for that is that those closing words that we say at the end of the Lord's Prayer are not recorded in the earliest sort of manuscripts that we have from which our Bible is, uh, all the Gospels were, t- were taken from. They're added in some of the later ones, but they're not in the uh, early original ones. So it's quite likely that the ending that we say to the Lord's Prayer was not actually, may, Jesus may have said them, but they may, may not have been actual words that were included in that answer to the disciples' question of how should we pray. Having said that, there's absolutely nothing wrong with those prayers. They were a really, really early addition onto the Lord's Prayer in the church. And they've been passed down from generations to generations. There's absolutely nothing wrong with them. And they're kind of really just a reminder of the awesome gloriousness and power of God. Some of the things that we looked at at the start of the Lord's Prayer back when we began the series that we're living for God's kingdom here on earth, that his glory is eternal, that he is the one with the power and authority. And that's what this prayer is about, isn't it? So before we get on to these last two lines, let me just remind you as well how we got to this point, what we have indeed covered in the Lord's Prayer so far. So we started off, didn't we, by looking at that line, our Father in heaven that we have a close, intimate relationship, that that word, uh, Father, is like Abba, almost not quite the same, but close to our word uh, we have here, Daddy. We can call this God who made the universe, who is in heaven above us, beyond our imagination. He's above us, and yet we we can have a close relationship with him. We can call him Father, Dad. And we want to be honouring of his name, don't we? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We recognise he's above us, that he's beyond our imagination. We want to honour and give glory to how great he is. And then we look to the lines, your kingdom come, your will be done. About how our desire as a church should be about seeking to bring God's kingdom and doing God's will here on earth as it is in heaven. Remembering that heaven is a place where there is no pain uh, and suffering. And as we uh, sung in the song as well, where death is no more. It's a perfect place and we're called to be people that seek to bring that kingdom here on earth. Not wait till we go to it, but seek to be people to bring that kingdom and live it out here on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're to be active in living in that kingdom here now in our lives because that's what we belong to 
So it all starts off with looking at God and his uh, focus uh, on what he is about. And then it, sort of, it comes down to let's bring that down here, what God is about here in our lives. And then we get the next line, which sort of goes deeper into that close connection that God has with us, didn't it? It goes on to the line, give us today our daily bread. And we recognize that God cares about us and is interested as well in our daily needs. He wants us to come to him and ask him daily for our needs. That God is not just a God that wants us to come and think about him once a week on a Sunday. But the line is, give us today our daily bread. We're to be a people that rely and seek God and his will and bring our needs to him and ask him for our needs day by day. He wants us to do that and is eager to give us good gifts. And then last week, when I wasn't here, you looked at the lines, uh, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. A reminder of that incredible uh, grace of God. Although uh, God is perfect and has, uh, uh, you know, beyond our imagination, has nothing to do, uh, never done even in his life, we're people that mess up, but yet he's able uh, to be close to us because he's able to forgive us. And he's poured incredible grace onto us, even though we don't deserve it, and he forgives us. And how that is one of the key markers of what it is to be a Christian, is to receive God's grace, that we are also called to share that out and live out forgiveness in our lives by forgiving others. So forgive us our sins, the line goes, as we forgive those who sin against us. We receive grace and forgiveness from God, and we're called to pour it out and forgive it and give forgiveness to others. And that's sort of the flow of the prayer so far. And then we get into these uh, next two lines. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm going to deal with one line at a time, but just a little bit more of, um, of an intro, if that's okay, just to make sure we all grasped the relevance or, or grasp the relevance of these lines uh, to our lives today. It's okay to put your hands up or not to any of the three questions I'm about to ask you. So, put your hands up if you think you are generally good at resisting temptations that are in front of you. One or two people did this morning. Okay, okay. Let's ask a more specific question. If there was a nice, big, succulent-looking, succulent's the right word for this, chocolate cake in front of you, put your hands up if you think you would be good at resisting that. Quite a few of you. Okay, keep your hand raised in the air if that you'd still be good at resisting not a chocolate cake, but a nice, big, juicy, savoury snack like some popcorn, for example. Put your hand up if you'd be good at resisting that. Okay, see, hands changed there, didn't they? There were some people that, yeah, I could easily resist a chocolate cake. Not that bothered. But popcorn or, well, crisps as well. Savoury is my my weakness in food when it it comes to me. Um, you know, there is different things that we're all tempted that we have, uh, that, that we like and enjoy. Different things uh, that each of us, different weaknesses perhaps, 
that we have. Now, I'm talking about food here, and actually it's not necessarily sinful to give in to a nice chocolate cake, is it, or a bit of popcorn. This line is not about our diet, food-wise. These lines of temptation are actually about uh, our temptation to do things that are wrong, that go against the values and the will of God in our life. Things that in the church we call sin. These lines are particularly focused on being tempted to do things that are wrong. And like with our diet, I think there are different things given our different personalities and the different ways that God makes us and also the different schemes uh, that the devil has. There are different sins or situations or places that we all have weaknesses in where we're more likely to fall into temptation. The Bible gives lots of examples about what that looks like, but they're basically boiled down to to two things. Well, one thing really, not following the will of God, which is to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, our mind and strength, and and love our neighbours as ourselves. There's many different ways in which uh, we can do that, the way we treat others or go against God's words. We can lie, we can be angry at the wrong things, we can over or underreact or ignore people when they're speaking to us. We can be envious or jealous of others. We can look down at other people. We can bully, we can slather behind people's backs. We can lust and uh, look at people as objects rather than as children of God or treat people as such. There's lots and lots of, uh, of different ways. I think we need to be honest tonight, honest with ourselves tonight as we look at these lines and recognize that in probably in that list there are a few of those that you are particularly prone to do. With people or in places that you find yourselves, you're likely to fall into temptation and not behave in a way that God wishes for us. And it can be really easy to fall into temptation. We often do it because we think it's easier and it makes us feel better at the time or or more loved. But often we regret it later. Temptation and doing wrong is not difficult to do, I think. That's why we do it so often. It's quite easy to fall into. And that's maybe one of the reasons why there's this line in the prayer to make us aware that temptation does come our way and we need God's help in resisting it, in following his will and not doing those things that will derail us from doing that. So with that in mind, let's look at these lines. So first thing I want to point out about temptation in itself is temptation in itself is not a sin. Being tempted to do something wrong is not wrong in and of itself. Jesus, we're told in the Bible, was tempted. But we're also told in the Bible that Jesus was without sin. Being tempted to do something wrong is not sinful itself. We are all tempted and there will always be temptations that come our way. It's giving in to the temptation that is when uh, it crosses from being a temptation into something we're doing uh, wrong. 
It can be, uh, somebody once described it as well, because sometimes temptations come in as thoughts, don't they, into our mind. You know, when does something that's come into my mind or I've just uh, thought about cross from being a temptation uh, into being sin? And I think uh, a really good way I heard it being described is if you let the thought land in your mind if you linger on it and let it become a conscious train of thought that you follow and develop either in your thought or you let it start controlling your actions. Being tempted is not a sin. But as soon as you let a thought land and begin to to follow it down and consciously take it further, that is when a temptation crosses over into walking away and going against God's will. So that's one thing we really, really need to make clear. I think temptation itself is not sinful. Okay, second thing I want to say as well tonight is God never tempts us himself to do evil. God, as I've already said, doesn't do evil. He doesn't want evil to succeed. And he doesn't want us to do evil either. God does not tempt us to do evil so he can go, aha, I caught you once you have given in. That's not how he thinks about us, despite what some people think about the Christian faith. That is not how God behaves and acts at all. God is for us, not against us. I don't know if any of you uh, can remember back to early December last year, the Pope he makes it into the news a lot, but he made it into uh, the news uh, with people saying he wanted to change the Lord's Prayer. It was a bit of an over-exaggeration of what he said in lots of the articles. Um, It was made onto the BBC and into a few uh, newspapers as well, uh, saying that the Pope wanted to change the Lord's Prayer. And it was actually over this line, lead us not into temptation. Uh, He didn't want to change it, but what he said in one of his sermons was that this line of the Lord's Prayer is probably better understood as do not let us fall into temptation. And he said said that because it is we who do the falling, us who does the falling, and God who does the helping up. You know, it is God who doesn't want us to fail. He doesn't want us to fall. And he's also the one that when we do fall, wants to get us back up again. So when we're saying this slide, lead us not into temptation, we're not saying, God, please, will you stop testing us? We're saying, Lord, will you help us not to fall into the temptations that come our way? Will you perhaps protect us from some of them or give us a path out of them? So next point I want to say is when we're saying this prayer is we are asking for God's protection against the devil's schemes. So although God himself does not tempt us. Satan is quite good at tempting us and placing temptation in our path. I'm sure a a number of you know what the story of what happened to Jesus after he was baptized. Jesus, uh, God's son, fully God, but also fully human. After he was baptized, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, after his baptism, um, he was led by the Spirit. So he followed the Spirit's will out into the wilderness. And what happened out in the wilderness? He was tempted, not by God, 
but by Satan. Sometimes when we're following God's path, like Jesus was, temptation will come our way and try and derail us. But it's not God that's doing the tempting, it is Satan. How did Jesus uh, resist it? Remember that he's fully human, tempted in every way that we are as human beings. Well, I think there was two things I just want to pick up generally. I think he was able to resist it because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He knew God's presence with him. He knew the security of his relationship with his Father. It gave him the, helped give him the strength to say no. Do you know what happens, don't you, when we follow Jesus in our lives? The Bible tells us that we are filled with the Holy Spirit also. And the secret is, it's exactly the same Holy Spirit that Jesus was filled with as well. It's not a different one. And the Bible talks about how the church on earth can do um, miraculous and even more miraculous things uh, than Jesus did as well as a whole. So we are equipped with the Holy Spirit in the way that Jesus was too. So we have a tool to be able to resist temptation. Other thing he did, didn't he, when he was tempted was he he knew uh, God's will well. He responded, didn't he, with words from Old Testament scripture. He knew what God's heart was and how we should behave in different ways. So we too, when we're praying this prayer, we're asking and recognizing our need both to rely on God's Holy Spirit and listen to that in us. But also we're reminded of our need to get to know God better, what he's like, how he wants us to behave and what he wants. And as we do that, we'll be better equipped and more able to resist temptations that come our way. which kind of links to my, my next point I want to say as well, which is when we pray these lines, we're asking for wisdom to realize what the temptations are, to make us aware, because we're not always aware, of situations or places or, or, or with people even, uh, where we find ourselves particularly tempted to go against God's plan. I think when we pray this prayer, we can God can prepare us to either avoid or be ready for situations that we face. I remember a few years ago, uh, quite a few years ago now, we had uh, there was a well an older teen in one of the one of the youth groups, and um, he'd been a Christian for a number of years and was a really active member of the church. He came to me and had a conversation with me, saying, "I'm going to be going to a party at the weekend." And um, I'm really worried when I go there. It's not my close friends, but it's a friend whose party I've been to a few times before. And they're really, really good and fun parties to go to. But I don't like going to them because I end up doing things at the end of them that I don't really enjoy doing. But um, I can't, don't feel like I haven't been able to say no to doing them because it's what everybody else does. And I just want you to pray that God will help me to fall into temptation because I'm really worried that I'm going to do it again, like I have done the last two times. And I prayed before, and God didn't help me resist when it got to that point in the evening. And it's really been on my mind, and I'm worrying about it. I had a conversation with him about it, and I said, why do you think it's really on your mind and you're worried about it? 
are you disappointed that God didn't give you the strength? Or is perhaps God saying to you, perhaps rather than put yourself in that situation, perhaps he's actually telling you and making you worried about it now because he's trying to tell you, don't go to the party in the first place if it's not your close friends. Why are you putting yourself in that situation in the first place? Often there are avoidable situations in our life, places where we know if we're going to go, we're likely to behave or do something in a way that we shouldn't. And if it's a place where you're continually uh, going or finding yourself falling away and doing things you will later regret, and you're aware of it, if it's a place you don't need to go, but is God telling you not to go? to avoid it God does talk about and give advice to his disciples about doing anything to stop yourself going to places where you're going to make mistakes resist, avoid those places, that's one of the best ways to avoid falling into temptation is to avoid those places but we need to be honest as well don't we sometimes we have to go places they are unavoidable situations that we find ourselves in when we are going to be tempted what happens then what practical things can we do what should we be thinking about when we pray this line well I always think it's great to be specific in your prayers if there's something that's particularly on your mind ask for God to give you strength to give you wisdom ask God to give you words go to places prepared If you know what temptation is going to be coming your way, maybe, I don't know, if you're with a group of friends that you can't avoid and they often like to talk or gossip or slander about somebody behind your back, can you have a plan about what you do if a conversation goes that way? Something that you can say that will turn the conversation around. Or words you can say that will stop people from talking about it. Anything, think about it. Or perhaps if it's um, with computers, when you go on computers, you're really tempted to look at things uh, that you shouldn't look. Can you make sure you spend time on your computer when there's other people around, when it's in a public space? Always talk with somebody, share the weaknesses that you have with somebody that you trust, that you can help you be accountable. There is always things you can do that can take you out of those places and those situations. When um, I uh, came back from university, when my sort of faith fully came alive, I learned a number of um, memory verses. And one of my favourites was one from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And it says this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to humankind. But God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can endure. But along with the tempting, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. I loved that verse. I absolutely loved that verse because it gives hope tells you that there's always a way out from the places and the situations and the things that we struggle with. It says, don't give up. Keep going. Keep seeking after God. He will be faithful 
in delivering you from whatever temptations that you fall into. Which leads me to the last point. We need to trust in God's deliverance. Trust in God's deliverance. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Or sometimes evil, sometimes temptation, evil one. People argue over it. I don't think it really matters because the evil one is behind evil. So it doesn't really make that much different difference. When I think we have a better insight than Jesus' disciples did on this line. Because when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray and he said this prayer, it was pre his death and resurrection. His disciples weren't fully aware of God's full rescue and deliverance plan as we are now. The last line just screams hope to me in a good way. Reminder, isn't it, of God's faithfulness and the promise that he has fulfilled to us through what Jesus did. Reminds us of what Jesus Christ did for you and for I on the cross where sin was defeated, where we're able to be forgiven, where the power of sin, we're told, is broken and we're able to get back up again because sin has lost its grip on us. Nothing in the past can weigh us down anymore and stop a good and godly future in our lives. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. He forgave us our sins, those times when we have failed. And he says you can get back up again and have a good and godly future because it's behind you. Sin has lost its grip. Yes, it might get hold of our shoulders and pull us down if we let it. And we will let it from time to time. But it doesn't have a grip on us. It can't hold us down. Its grip will just slip off when we come back to Jesus and we are able to get back up again. It reminds us of that promise or that truth that Jesus has when he died and came back to life again, where he won the war against evil. The battle might still be going on, We will still be tempted until Jesus Christ comes again. But evil has ultimately been defeated. That's what the Christian message is. That's what our hope is. We are part of God's kingdom now that has won the war against all evil. Hurt, pain, suffering, death. And it is going to be totally wiped out when Jesus returns. We have been delivered from it. God is stronger than evil. It's a promise, isn't it, those lines, that God can deliver us from anything we might face in our lives. So can I encourage you, as Patrick said at the start, September is kind of a time, right at the start of it, where we kind of gear up and we slow down over the summer, maybe have a think and reflect about how things are going and we have a chance now to think about how do we want things to be different where are those times or those places in our lives where we really want to follow God more closely can I encourage you to think about that tonight because God gives us the power we have the ability to make a difference those things that we do do not have grip have hold of us 
God does and can lift us back up from when we fall down. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are God's. Now, right here, for every single one of us today, and also tomorrow, and the day after, and the day after that, and forevermore. Amen.